It's May 16th, 2022. This is Rook. She is an Iranian-British designer and wardrobe stylist and the founder of the London-based fashion house Vasiqiya, and she was the winner of Britain's Designer of the Year Award in 2018. Alisa Vasiqi is making a name for herself as a young designer who's focused on non-traditional and eco-friendly materials. She joins us from England. But first, Dr. Iman Tahiri, a medical practitioner who came to Canada to visit family at the start of the pandemic, ended up staying and making inspirational TikTok videos that have now made him a growing social media sensation. He joins us in studio. Plus, who do I support when Iran plays Canada? It's driving me crazy, Shia. Who do I support? I'm Gian Gameshi. This is Rook. Welcome to episode 179 of Rook. Hope you're keeping well wherever you're tuning in from around the world. Hello to you from Toronto, Canada. Salam Dustan Aziz, Durud Bashama. Coming up later in the show, Kian, Alisa Vaseri, mm. British Iranian woman, a uh, young woman, fashion designer. In 2018, despite being in her early 20s or something, uh, becomes designer of the year in Britain. Wow. Yeah, and she's really inventive. I mean, I'm gonna have to ask her about this, but first of all, she's really committed to doing things in a non-traditional way. So eco-friendly, doesn't use, I think, uh, animal-friendly, et cetera. Mm. Uh, But also she makes clothing or designs things out of non-traditional uh, materials mm-hmm. so in one case glue glue yes like just like a dress made of glue correct oh yeah that um that's what wins you designer of the year indeed you know? <laughs> it must be <laughs> take my in crack London. out of making dresses too. <laughs> uh so i well, I'm, and she, i mean i think it's great she's a she's clearly a real inventor you know as well mm. as a designer now she's working with the the Shakespeare Company as well, doing costumes for, uh, and she's a wardrobe stylist as well as a designer. She's got this, her own brand, Vasekia in London. So Elisa Vasekhi coming up. Um, in just a few minutes, Dr. Iman Tahiri. So this is a guy who, yeah, also a young guy, became a doctor in, in where, in Tehran, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and then he, uh, he, he actually worked in a difficult area of Iran in the south, dealing with um, folks who are with drug issues, a war zone. Uh, he worked there as a doctor for a couple of years. Decides pre-pandemic to come to Canada to visit his sister in Toronto. Ends up having to stay here because of the lockdown. You know, it was right at March 2020 mm. or whatever the 2019. When when did the pandemic start? Yeah, it's all a blur. March, yeah. March, yeah, yeah. And so then, uh, so then he stays, and then he he happens to start making TikTok videos. Mm. See, this is what you should do, Keon. 
TikTok videos? I don't, I don't know, know I don't if know. I'm cut out for that world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, and, he, and he becomes this uh, social media champion of the moment. I mean, he's getting mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of clicks for these little sayings that he does. And so he's decided to stay in Canada to not be a doctor or pursue his medicine right now. And uh, because he's blowing up in social media. Hmm. Interesting transition. It, it is. Well, it's the story of an, uh, of, I'll mention this to him, but something, an external event mm. like the pandemic, which no one could have predicted, and right. he wouldn't have known how, it, how it's going to affect his life, has completely altered the journey of this man's life. Wow. But not in the traditional ways we think, you know, oh, I was locked down, I couldn't go somewhere, mm-hmm. or, you know, I got COVID and it was, or, or whatever, or the economy tanked, but it's led him to becoming a social media guy <laughs> instead of a doctor. I can see your judge, there's judgment no, in your eyes. No, I'm just, uh, I have Th- to This is from your, your fiancé or your whatever <laughs> he is. Your, fiance, not your doctor. Uh, uh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I will say what he said before. Like, I, I'll bring up, like, a dentist who has a huge following on Instagram. Like, oh, check out this dentist. They talk about this, or I don't know, a doctor yes. on social media. And he'll be like, uh, they're a social media influencer, so they're not a doctor. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not possible to be a doctor to, and also an like, influencer? I, I mean, in his point right. of view yeah because you're super medicine based and you don't have time for anything else right like what about dr sanjay gupta on I cnn know. i mean he seems like he knows <laughs> what he he's doing though? you wouldn't you wouldn't oh i see he's not a, that's right that's yeah, true that's yeah. true he's just an it expert takes, listen, it takes up a lot of time wow. to like create content i got i mean this guy this this iman tahiri right. he must be doing this so you 24/7. can't do both there's like whoever does both right, right. must be a robot also iman he's poet you know and uh, some of his poetry actually really made me impressed you know mm. he, yeah he's a really good poet so he was that's that's his other passion is poetry yes, yes. yeah yeah, go tell your boyfriend that. <laughs> I will. I'll write that down to remember. <laughs> he really should be just on the show, your boyfriend. He gets name checked so much. Honestly, poor guy. at this yeah. point, he yeah. needs to defend himself. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's just like a, an avatar. We can, we're always referencing him. Uh, let me do the official hellos to you for uh, somebody tuning in the first time, wondering who these voices are. Uh, hello, Groovy Shia. Hello, the fabulous Keon. Hi. Hello. Now, now regularly... We have a third uh, person uh, of the four of us that joins us, Captain Reza, the illustrious captain of the ship, uh, uh, who is right now in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, doing God knows what Reza's getting up to, but I think it's his girlfriend's birthday, birthday yeah, and right. so he wanted to be there with her and uh, you know take he her knows for a trip. He might actually get married while he's there. Anything happens. There. Anything. What? Who? That's right. Mm-hmm. What happens in Vegas may not stay in Vegas. Yeah, he comes back true. married. So in so because Captain Reza is not here, we've got a brand new member of our team. That and I mentioned this last week that we've got a great new member of our team, Smart Pega, and Smart Pega is sitting in Captain Reza's spot. A temporary. You know, we're not necessarily replacing Captain Reza, but uh, hi, hi, Smart Pega. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Welcome to the On Air Rook team. Thank you. Now, I talked about you last week, and I I have a bone to pick with myself about what I was talking about because I described you as being a uh, Canadian Iranian, mm-hmm. and I and I described you as being of the mold of Keon and I, somebody who grew up in the diaspora, diaspora, and who. 
therefore is, you know, the first language is English and they're very westernized, etc. And I was lamenting the fact that Keon and I cannot speak Persian as well as you do, nor are we fluent at all, in my case, in reading and writing, and that you, hence your title, Smart Pega, are this brilliant you know, um, woman who is has all those qualities of your English being perfect and Western and everything like that, but you not only do you speak fluently, but you can read and write, correct? Correct. Right. So, Keon, guess what? What? She wasn't born in the West. I had a feeling. Yeah. There's no it way. It was a complete fabrication, uh, although I, I don't mean, think she fabricated it. I think I got it wrong. Yeah. So it turns out she grew up until she was like 19 years old or something. <laughs> no, no, no. All right. Well, what what is the story? You so, grew up in Iran. No, I was five years old when we moved here. I've only ever been back once. Okay. And I learned Farsi here actually. I never no, went no, to. Where, where were you born? I was born in Tehran. Okay, and you lived for first five years. You were in Tehran. Correct. Well, I mean. But I never went to school there. But that, but uh, that, that's that, enough you, to that's me. Enough. That's enough. Yeah. yeah. Five years. You got five yeah. years on us. So here's my question. I was in London when you were. You know, I mean, I was first five years. I was in London. Mm -hmm. So you should be better at Persian than us. I would say. Fair. No? But then no. there's other people who come here at the age of like sixteen, and now they don't speak Farsi. So I, not not sixteen. Really. I've met some people. Mm. I read something once, if you move um, somewhere after the age of 13, it's hard to get rid of the accent. But 12. Before, yeah, 12? 12, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but that's crazy. No, that's definitely I, true. It's definitely true that people, and it's also true that that you had to work at it. Mm -hmm. You can't just, uh, but I just, I mean, I, I, in terms of feeling badly for us, I thought once I found out that you grew up in Tehran, Grow five up. Years. I mean, five years. Oh, it's it's enough. enough. Like, I'm defending my title here. I'm, I'm still smart, Pega, first of all. <laughs> right, you're, definitely, <laughs> you're definitely smart, Pega. You're definitely it's smart. It's also the Pega. family thing, too. Like, for a family to migrate to a new country, they're probably still speaking Persian at home. Oh, yeah. For my family, like, we went to school and, like, learned English. And so at home, you know, we would mix in English. Like, our parents just spoke English a we lot of times. We had a rule so. at home. If, if my sister and I spoke English, my parents wouldn't respond. We used oh to have wow! That. Just See, yeah. we spoke English in my house, uh, and my parents were doing that. I think on purpose. They were, mm -hmm. they, they were, we were practicing, practicing using you guys for practice. Yeah, no, yeah, also just to bring us up assimilated. So in yeah. some idea that we wouldn't, therefore, be called terrorists and you know have a difficult <laughs> life, but it didn't work. But uh, uh, so okay, so you came when you were five. Yes. Why are you? Why do you have such a great facility for reading and writing Persian? Uh, I think it's just passion. I love anything and everything that has to do with Iran. Always have. Grew up that way. Um, and a large part of it, I have to agree, Kian, it is family. I mean, it was kind of ingrained in both me and my sister that we'd have to keep our culture, our roots, our mm. language, everything. Um, and I'm lucky that I have a lot of family here. I grew up with my grandparents here. Mm. So that was a big, big part of it as well. Grandparents help. Man, if mm. I had my grandma close by, it would th I would be... Mm. Mm -hmm. Like Pega, right. <laughs> version. My grandparents all died. So <laughs> doesn't have that either. Uh, <laughs> what do you say? Russian shot. So here's the thing. Tell us. Tell me why you're so into Iranian culture. I actually met somebody on the weekend mm -hmm. who's uh, actually very well known. He's a he's a a doctor, another doctor, ah, but uh, but a first wave immigrant, an older guy who's been here for many years, and and who really embraces being in Canada, 
And, you know, he kind of actually said to me, why, why, why are you so into this Iranian thing and promoting Iranian culture? And you're, yeah, I get it. It's your background. It's your ancestry. But what do you even like about the culture? You know, and I was like, I, I was really put on the spot by him. This the man who grew up in Iran and, you know, who's maybe 20 years my senior saying something like this. Uh, so what would how would you answer the question? I mean, why are you so into Iranian culture as somebody who's in Canada? Yeah, um, I mean, I think everything about Iran just speaks to me more, whether it's music. I listen to predominantly Iranian music. I barely listen to English music. That's Ooh, been the case wow. since really I was like five, literally. Mm. Um, you grew up in Toronto, right? I did. Okay, yeah. so you were around a lot of Persians. Actually, I only had one Iranian friend oh. all the way through to middle school. Mm, I was going to say, like, you can't listen to that music alone, so you would have had to have No, I mean, again, I think family, like, my okay. my sister and I grew up with my mom blasting Ebby in the car on the Aww. way to school. Like That's that was, cute. you know. So is that what you mean by Iran? Like, had you ever heard of Dang Show? Yes, oh. I listened to Dang oh, Show. Oh, really? Yeah, there you go. Oh. I did, actually. The guy sitting next to you. That's yeah. right, yeah, I did. Um, and same thing with, like, movies and things like that. I grew up watching, like, Iranian TV, like, huh. movies. I, I religiously go to the Iranian Film Festival in Toronto. Mm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think a lot of it just is more in line with my interests. Interesting. Number one. Yeah. Um, two, I love history. And, you mm. know, as Iranians, we have a fair bit of that. So that and do you And do you self-find that, I mean, you you are a Canadian citizen, obviously. Yes. Do you, how do you feel about Canada? So I'm about to say something very uh, controversial here. Okay. I'm not Canadian, I'm Iranian. So oh. regardless. But you are a citizen, fact, right? I am, okay. yes. But wow. I identify as an Iranian. Jesus. I say deport this person. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Yes. All right. Well, this is perfect. This is a perfect segue into, and we're going to get to Dr. Iman Tahiri and Elisa Vasiri, but this is a perfect segue into what I actually wanted to talk about here as we kick things off on this show, which is that it has been announced. It was a complete surprise. I did not know. I don't think anybody knew because this, this came out on the wire from the Canadian uh, Soccer Association or something. That Team Canada, the Canadian team that is now qualified for the World Cup, football, soccer, uh, and Team Meli, uh -huh. who has also uh, qualified for the World Cup, of course, mm -hmm. are going to play a game on June 5th oh, in shit. British Columbia, in Vancouver, no a, a friendly game. You didn't know this, Shai? No. You really didn't know this? No, actually, I was surprised. Why did you mention on the, on the bills that who do we support? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Canada and Iran, in like three weeks, are going to play a game in, in, in Vancouver. <laughs> now, it's a friendly. It doesn't have any impact on the World Cup or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, at least... 10 people have texted this to me, you know, like uh, knowing that this would be uh, something that would hit me pretty hard because thank God I'm not in Vancouver because if I was, I would desperately want to go to the game. Let's go. Right. Well, I have tickets. You have tickets? I have four tickets. Wait a minute. You, but you bought tickets or yes, you, I bought tickets. So are you going to fly to Vancouver? I don't know. If I can, yes. I bought the tickets because if there's even a slight chance that I can go, I wanted to have the tickets ready. And if not, I have a million people around me who can and would want to go. Wow. See, smart Pega. Yeah, it's very intelligent. Got it. So, well, uh, here's the thing. Okay, so the, the question I've got to ask everybody, because I've been struggling with this, 
is is if I go to this game, and this is why I don't, I don't even want to be there in person because I would be like so confused. <laughs> which which jersey am I wearing? What's the what's the flag? What am I? And and let me explain. There is almost nothing that would prevent me from supporting Team Canada, especially a soccer team that has struggled for decades to to come to any international prominence that is now in the World Cup and is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to soccer football in this country, really, ever. Uh, of course I would want to support them at the same time. Team Mali, the Iranian team. That that our our downtrodden people have the one thing to celebrate a great soccer team that is going to the World Cup and could actually advance in the World Cup. I mean, uh, there would be almost nothing that would prevent me from supporting Team Iran if I were going to one of these friendlies, if we were playing against Portugal or or I don't know Brazil or whatever. So I, I'm not totally sure what I would do. So I'm going to put this to I'm you. Sorry for you. I'm going to go through the three of you. Shia, you would let me let me put this to okay. you, Shia. You have come to Canada recently. Yes. Been only here for three years. Yes. Let me prosecute the case here. <laughs> Been here for three years. One would think you're so Iranian, you spent the most first 30 years of your life in Correct, Iran, whatever, yeah. that team it would be obvious. You would be supporting the Iranian team. Mm -hmm. However, mm -hmm. you love Canada. Of course. You are excited that you are now an official resident in Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, you may even have some... I wonder if you even one one of those people who may have qualms about supporting Team Meli oh. because of the regime and things like that. I don't know if you fall into that category no, or not. No, no, you don't. All no, right. Yeah. So I'm going to guess between these two, uh -huh. you would support Team Iran. So I mean, I, I actually I'm like you. I usually go for the underdog team. Right. So in this case, I would say Iran is better than Canada yes so I have to support Canada but it's very hard for me to like go against Iran unless <laughs> unless it helps me to receive my citizenship <laughs> faster <laughs> so <laughs> then I would support Canada <laughs> but no, so I, you are confused no I, I I know that at the end of the day I, I like Iran Iran I am actually not sure if I know that you'd think that Iran is the better team, but Canada is such an ascending star team. I'm not. I'm not mm. actually sure that they are the total underdogs uh, on, here. Uh, on the paper, Iran is. You know, it's like we've been in the World Cup several times. Yes, yeah, that's true. We're the that's true. Best team in Asia. So, yes, you know, yes, yeah. true. Uh, Keon, I probably lean towards Iran. Like really? being being in the stadium, just imagining. There's no way you would pick some a team over your own heritage you know that's how i feel right but i would all, all but it would i would hope there's other iranian fans otherwise i'd, I'd feel ashamed well listen to this listen to <laughs> this Canada. it was announced four or five days ago uh from what i understand the tickets are either sold out Ooh. or almost this is a stadium right mm. wow. they're they're they just went they <laughs> went now there's obviously a lot of excitement about the canadian team in canada so you got to think a bunch of canadians but really, Canadians haven't been rushing to buy tickets mm. to see Team Canada, even right. with all the, for a friendly, you know. For, so even if it was going to be sold out eventually, I think that's Iranian. Of course, that's Vancouver. Iranians in <laughs> Vancouver going Iranians. ape shit. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. ah, buy the tickets. <laughs> yeah. Buy the tickets. <laughs> Come on. Bring the whole family. So, and not to mention Pega, you know, she's already, uh, yeah. she doesn't even live there. She bought four tickets. So I'm guessing. 
mm-hmm. because of the zeal with which you uh, explained your love for Persian culture and your and the fact that you bought these tickets, you would be supporting Team Iran. Absolutely. And just to share something, actually, when we were looking at buying the tickets, um, I had a specific promotion code that allowed me to get the tickets earlier. Otherwise, I doubt I'd be able to actually get the tickets. How'd you get that? Where'd you get that? Um, it's through American Express. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. So if you're a card holder, they give you like promotional codes, things right. like that. Um, and to your point about people buying tickets, the stadium actually wasn't going to release tickets for the upper bowl, but because of the demand, they actually mm. opened up those tickets. Right. That's yeah. what I heard. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I got to think it's Iranians. Has to be. It's going to be that <laughs> weird thing for like people across Canada are going to be watching it on TV mm-hmm. and they're going to hear like more cheering for the Iranian team yeah, and just go, what the hell is going weird. on here? <laughs> right. Who bought right. the stadium? You know? <laughs> I wouldn't mind Canada winning just because of what you said, Shai, the idea that Iran is considered the better team. Mm-hmm. But I, I also think this will be, for a lot of people in the West who don't give Iran credit or don't think of them as a you know a kind of thing. Because you know, when that um, World Cup draw came out, mm-hmm. there was a lot of people going... Uh, in the, the Americans and, and Brits who are in the same going now oh, this is going to be a cakewalk ha 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 Iran right <laughs> so I want the Iranian team to do well as well yes. yeah mm-hmm. uh, if actually if this match uh, will happen in Tehran I think I would su- support Canada honestly mm. yeah but since it's in that's true Canada that's I true think, yeah. I, I agree I that think if this if me. it was in Iran I would yeah. definitely be wearing a Canadian <laughs> yeah. flag you know yeah <laughs> Interesting, yeah. but it because it's here, yeah, so. uh, yeah, here or there, I'd support Iran. Oh, geez, Pega. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which and I bet Reza would probably support Canada, Canada, I'm yeah. sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all right. Uh, we're coming to you on rookmedia.com. It is there that you can link to all of our platforms. We are on an ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, and CastBox. If you'd like to see some visuals with Rook, switch over to YouTube right now. And if you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in English and Persian, check us out on Telegram. I wanted to mention something, which is that um, we are going to have Arash Sopani mm. from Kiosk. And I think maybe even some members of the band, but definitely he's coming into studio yeah, uh-huh. because Kiosk is in Canada. They're doing their first shows in a long while. Is, are they part of the Persian music you would listen to, Pega? Not exactly. Okay. I have heard songs by them, but they're yeah. not someone I listen to regularly. All right, your family wasn't blasting them along with the Ebby <laughs> in the car. <laughs> no. Uh, Kiosk is actually playing in Vancouver this weekend, and then in Toronto, May 28th, you don't have tickets yet uh, go see kiosk i'll give him a little plug because ours is coming on the show all right let's get to our first guest uh and we'll um talk to you on the other side of this guys uh, stick around my first guest is a rising fast rising iranian star of the internet take a listen to this your existence must be appreciated not your title or your position not even your name you are the water, not a container. There you go. little taste of the sound and charm of my next guest. You know, not so long ago, just about two years ago, in fact, Dr. Iman Tahiri was an Iranian practitioner working as a general surgeon in rural areas of southern Iran where drug use and drug-related crimes were prevalent. 
Today, he's something of a social media sensation, inspiring hundreds of thousands of followers and basing himself out of Canada. Needless to say, it's been quite a couple of years for the friendly and handsome medicine man. Iman was born and raised in Tehran. He graduated in general surgery residency from the Tehran University of Medical Sciences. He landed in Toronto in February of 2020 with the intention simply of visiting his family, but the worldwide pandemic gave him cause to hunker down in Canada, a desire for of finding friends in a new country and learning a new language led Iman to social media platforms. So then he started posting short informative videos using poetry and music and creating an online persona in the process. And the Dr. Iman show was born. And right now, Dr. Iman Tahiri joins me in the Rook studio here in Toronto. Hello, sir. Oh, hello, sir. Thank you so much. Nice for to me. have you here. Thank you so it's much. It's crazy. It's oh, a crazy yeah. story. It's a, your stories are crazy to me. It's, it's the story of how external events, uh, external forces, in this case a pandemic, uh, can change the direction of a life journey just as a product of circumstance, right? True, true, completely. It's a story of just, let's say, trusting the process and, you know, like stop fighting back and just let's see what is reserved for you. I see. So, uh, in short, when you start getting clicks on the internet after you post some videos, instead of thinking, uh, I'm supposed to be on a plane back to being a surgeon in Iran, maybe I'll go with this. Maybe I'll see where it takes me. Well, that was, it was not that easy. I mean, at the beginning, it was not so feasible. I mean, for me, it was just, it took me about uh, quite a time to accept what's happened. And then... Uh, I just lost the ego of a doctor, surgeon, whatever it was. And, uh, and gained the ego of a social media star. Yeah, I mean, now I, <laughs> I, I have learned not to take anything for granted. Mm. Uh, I know that the other one just gone, this one can go like in a blink of an eye and I'm just experiencing everything. I'm enjoying like a toddler, just, you know, I'm uh, exploring, enjoying and learning, but I know everything can change. But the other one's not, you're still a doctor, right? Nobody took away your license. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I already got my, I, I went through the exams and everything in, in Canada. I got my license. I mean, first two exams, which are the most important thing. I applied for my license now. And, uh, but honestly, I, I think I don't, I don't want to practice anymore. Wow. Okay. I want to get to the full story. Um, first of all, I mean, how, how does it feel to have, fans around the world uh, who probably had no idea who you were uh, as you know up to a year or two ago well it's I mean uh, for me it's fascinating I love what I'm doing and I just enjoy connecting with my I want to call them friends but it's not easy to be honest sometimes I think I think about it that uh, I used to think of social media as the most superficial thing ever mm-hmm and I uh, was not wrong, and I still, like, if you look at social media, it's, it's pretty superficial in a lot is. of cases. Yeah. And uh, for me, it was because I'm a poet, and I had no idea how can you grow in this kind of like environment with poetry, mm-hmm. with your shirt on, you know, mm-hmm. with your, uh, when you talk about meaningful stuff and try to add value in, indeed. And uh, I'm trying to find the, the middle ground here. You know, between uh, let's say this, this all the superficial stuff, and try to 
use the images, maybe the the viral music and viral sound and everything, just as a packaging to put, you know, insert some mm. some meaning in it. Let me come back to this because that you said a lot of provocative things there. That, and and it feels like an eternal battle to uh, these days to to try and uh, thread the needle of uh, social media in terms of not being superficial, but at the same time doing the kind of things that get followers. Right? Um, I'm, I'm I always say I'm keenly aware that if I post a video of me horsing around with my dog, it's going to get more views than a, an episode of the Contemporary History of Iran. But I also know what our mission is, what I really want to do here. You know, so. Um, the, the, but your story is that so you were a doctor in Iran and you were the youngest general surgeon in Iran by 2014. What what led you into medicine? Is it is it a an inspiring story or is it as simple as Persians, you know, value the status of being a doctor and you like that as well? Pretty much both, I guess. I uh, so my first encounter with like medicine in any any mean, I mean. I use. I remember I was at my my grandparents, and it was this image on the wall. This uh, sophisticated gentleman. He was a doctor. He was our my my great great grandfather, mm. one of the first official physicians in the country. With uh, official number was like kind of three. Mine is like six digit. And um, I was maybe f- five years old. I asked about who's this guy, and uh, it was so like he was in in a suit in the background, like was the uh, Eiffel Tower, and my grandpa grandfather started to talk about him so passionately, and I was so mesmerized with the story and the respect that I see. My grandfather was kind of like you know God to me, and the mm. way that he was talking about this guy. So oh, yeah, that's something I will take it. I will, I, will, I will take it. I mean, I that was maybe the. The beginning of the idea of becoming a doctor, but I believe family was uh, had their role too. I mean, uh, my my father always wanted me to be a doctor, and I think um, he had a big role in it. Of course, did you like it? I mean, do you? Uh, uh, yeah, let me ask it in the past tense. Did you like being a doctor? I do like connecting with people, and being a doctor was an opportunity for me to connect with people in. The purest way possible mm. and I still yeah, physically connecting with them in some cases uh, yes but you know it's not just you know when they come to you in the most vulnerable state and uh, they bring you their pain no one comes to doctor when you know no, no one visits the doctor when they're happy right and it's it's just you know, like ongoing practice of empathy and feeling others pain and it as a poet it was it was great opportunity for me to just you know to feel others well speaking of vulnerable you the story is i mean in the immediate years before you came to canada so this i guess it'd be 2019 2018 you were in a war zone you were in in a in a Mm. drug addled area of southern iran tell tell me about what led you there uh so when i graduated as a surgeon i you know like they call it Tar in, in in Canada is pretty much like return service or something like this. You need to serve somewhere. Mm, pay it forward. Yeah. Oh, oh, I see. You actually have yeah, to serve. You somewhere. You need to right. serve somewhere. Uh, I had a lot of op- options uh, as a surgeon. You can choose where to go. It depends on the city. You have to stay there for a, for a while. 
But this place showed up on my screen, and I noticed that no one wants to go there. And uh, where is this place? Southern Iran. It's uh, it's in like uh, southern Kerman mm-hmm. between Bandar Abbas and Zahedan. Okay. Pretty much like the on the coast, like on the right at the bottom, or no, like in the middle of desert. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah, it's pretty much you know it's it's the main way from smuggling drugs and everything from east to west. And uh, I contacted the the chief of the hospital, and I uh, I asked about the place and I said what's happening there and how's everything going there. He was kind of like shocked that so any, anyone want to you know, ask about this place hmm. this young guy in Tehran mm-hmm. calling to say what's going on what there it, what is it, what, what, yeah so but I first something that I was so interested in was trauma surgery hmm. and I knew where I, when I go there there would be a lot of trauma and uh, it gave me a, you know like when you're working in like this kind of like less fortunate places mm-hmm. you have you know, you, you can be creative, you can learn more. And I just probably, that was one of the reasons that I chose to be there. And uh, yeah, I went there and I spent about two years. I lived in a hospital because around the hospital was no nothing else. You lived in the hospital? In the hospital for two years. And uh, because, you know, people live in tents around. And uh, yeah, so for two years I have learned, I. I think I learned more than they learned from me. Hmm. I mean, they gave me something. What's an example of something you learned? Uh, Every day was something new, but let's say it was something that was so touched my ego. I had a patient, you know, like it's, it's not so uncommon there to have shooting, you know, like conflict with tribal conflict, even and there's no drug involved. This. Were you actually in the town, or when you say I'm in the desert? What, yeah, what, it was no where, town. It's just there's no town. Yeah. The Why is there a hospital there? It's just, it's just in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, because people live in in tribes, you know, and you know, like they they live in a vast area. Wow. And uh, hospital is like a temple for them. Everything happened. They come to hospital, like just bring them. Wow. Sometimes when they are shooting, they. They bring the shooting next to the hospital because they know their injured must be <laughs> in the hospital soon. Mm. So, well, and and they're shooting each other, like these are drug crimes. Somebody, uh, sh- yeah, somebody cartels. Sh- sometimes they have conflict. Sometimes uh, it's tribal tribal conflicts. As I said, you know. sorry, this is I, mean, I don't want to get too tangential about this, but why does that happen in the south? Why is that a, a drug area? I don't know. That. Uh, so the main resource, I think the. The provider is is Afghanistan. So uh-huh. when they they bring them and they smuggle through the border, and this is one of the you know they like go through the south yeah. to come. I see. Okay, it's it's, it's not far from this, the ocean, and you know like the the Persian Gulf, they can just do whatever they do. Okay, whatever. yeah. But I had this patient uh, after like shooting. He was about maybe fourteen. And he, he would, you know, it was, it was ugly, really bad, bad condition. Uh, almost everyone thought that it's, you know, he's, he's gone. I, I took my chance. I take him to the 
uh, operation room and I spent hours fixing him, you know, from everything long, God, everything was just shattered. Uh, after hours and hours of tough surgery, he made it. Uh, he was young, lucky, and I was lucky anyway, so he made it and I was so like kind of like proud of what I did. I uh, stepped out of the OR to deliver the good news. His family was waiting there just to, to receive the corp. And I, uh, I, was, I proudly said that, yeah, so he made it. He's going to be fine. His dad was shocked, like, he didn't die. And uh, his mom, you know, like, in that area, women do not usually talk. Uh, whispered, next time. You know, like, this is the mindset that, okay, so if he didn't die this time, he probably will next time. And I just realized what I did was you know, something that I was so proud of, kind of meaningless. Because mm. when you cannot break this cycle of, I want to call it maybe ignorance, the, the, the lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, what is the point of me doing this and be proud of, yeah, what a surgery wow. I did? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was a lesson that I learned that maybe suturing wounds and saving lives lives is of course it's great but maybe changing mindset it's more more important but calling it a war zone is an apt title then because that's what doctors do in a war zone right mm -hmm. i mean you you ideally heal the person but then only to send them back to the front lines to to yeah. potentially die again or get get hurt again what um i just so you're this kid who's grown up in Tehran pretty I'm imagining your family was pretty well to do or you know okay uh, uh, what did what did you make of the people in this small town in the south of Iran and what did they make of you how did they accept you as this guy who's come from the big city uh, up north uh, the flashy doctor all of a sudden uh, so these people are so generous and I am, I was, I, this is this is maybe one of my, my, let's say, my favorite features that I'm, I, I, I adopt and I don't take the things for granted. You adapt. Yeah, adapt. Mm -hmm. And uh, everywhere I go and I, I'm ready to start fresh. I'm just not, I'm not taking anything with me and I think about, oh, I'm, I'm this, I was that, I, pretty much what happened in Canada. I'm ready to start over. Why are you that way? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think it's admirable. It's great. I mean, you know, as opposed to, mm -hmm. I went to all this school to become a doctor and now that's not available to me or something. I think so. There are, I believe there are two selves, like experienced selves and memory selves. I believe my experience self is so, so much more active than memory self. I don't remember the challenges that I've been through. Probably I don't, 
I'm not so proud of things that I achieved because you know I don't remember the hard time. Like when I go back and I think about, it, oh my God, that was something to do. Yeah. But I just leave the moment and I ex experience it and I just, but I know when the experience is over, it's over, you know. Like yeah, but it, is it, Iman, uh, I mean, you're experiencing great success with this social media um, direction, right? Uh, would it would would your feeling be different if you weren't? Um, in other words, I mean, uh, would you feel the same way if you were now working as a barista in you were serving coffee in in Canada? Would you say, well, this is my new experience. I adapt to my circumstances. Um, it's easier to like what you're doing now because you're getting celebrated for <laughs> for it, right? Well. So it was not always the same, you know. Now you can see like hundreds of thousands of fans and friends and followers. Oh yeah, this is something. But it just happened, and I I don't know how, I don't know why. I cannot, you know. Like some people might say, oh, I was so uh, precise and I knew what I'm doing. Honestly, no one knows what they're doing. It just <laughs> happened. I try and I say, yeah. So this one works. Maybe it, it maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it works. And uh, even if like a barista, get, I, I don't say that I didn't even think about doing mm. something like so randomly, but I just, yeah, I, don't, I, I think it's, it's, we need to know that things happen like many, many, there are so billion things out of our control. Do you care about material wealth? I Personally, do. you do. I mean, not, not. You wanna have nice things, you wanna have a nice car, that's important to you? Uh, I don't I mean there are because I my, my family is you know, they're doing well and I always had everything that people can dream of uh, and I like I appreciate of course I'm not kind of like a monk let's just mm. go back to uh, primitive life but for me things are things you know yeah of course a nice car a comfortable car clean fast car that can take me from A to B perfect I prefer not to drive anymore, <laughs> but if someone can drive me even like that, that's mm. even better. But A nice driver in a limo, you're okay with that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. it's, it's, it's just a car, because you, you, when you are in the car, you don't see what, what car you're in, you know? Like, but when you talked about the ego of the doctor, letting go of that, were you talking about the status that comes with being a doctor, the self-importance of I'm doing something important for society, or the material rewards? Being a doctor is, is tricky. People think that you know everything, but you know that you don't know everything. Mm. You know that you don't know, you know nothing, to be honest. As a surgeon, when you, like no surgeon can say that, yeah, I did the surgery and everything gonna be fine. How do you know? You open up the patient, you did what you had to do, mm. you close it up. I have no idea what's gonna happen later. I, I, I don't know, I just said what I, I've been told to. I mean. This is this is something. So either you can become an angry person and try to keep your distance, and no one asks questions that might scratch your ego. Like you do, you know that you don't know everything, so you don't let people get close and know you know what you don't know. Or either you can be humble and see yourself as a small piece of this bigger mm. image. That yeah, I'm doing my part. Of course, I mean, I think the the most beautiful answer I've ever heard from anyone is, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, so this is easy that we don't know. There's a lot of famous lyrics that way, poetry. Uh, uh, the more I learn, the less I understand, mm -hmm. that type of thing. Um, so, you know, that's interesting to me, the, the, the notion of the doctor who um, 
knows that he doesn't know everything because I think part of, if I were to guess, part of your success in social media is that you're a doctor, is that you've got those credentials and it plays into the societal idea that we have that this guy somehow knows everything. No matter what you're talking about, even if you were talking about, you know, this is the best car, we go, oh, doctor, you know, <laughs> he's a doctor, he must know. Right? So, so let's get to, to to this, you know, last couple of years and what's happened. First of all, why did you end up in Canada in early 2020? I am a Canadian resident since 2018. Okay, it was this program for immigrants, and my family signed up, and everything was just, you know, like paper paperwork. Uh, I had no intention. I've been here 2018, about maybe six weeks. I get back home and I just finish my study, get my, my you know, the, my surgery stuff. After I did my time in that area, I was ready to open my practice in plastic surgery in Dubai. A bit uh, of a leap from the war zone to plastic yeah, surgery in yeah, Dubai, from, but yeah. yeah from, okay, like, from you adapt. Extreme, right? right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I came to, it was, uh, as you mentioned, February 2020, I had some time and, you know, I said, let's, let's take a vacation, come to my, to see my sister who lives in Toronto. I just came here to, to visit about, supposed to be one, two months, six weeks actually. And uh, not long after I got here, the pandemic was announced. Yes. And uh, flight got canceled, everything, right. and I was just. No flying to Iran. Yeah. Yeah, like you say, okay, if war is going to end, it, let's stay here. I mean, it's, this is <laughs> this is a nice nice place to, <laughs> you know, to. Right. I don't right. know what's going to happen, but so let's just be on the safe side. I stayed. You know, I first I was like a tourist, and then I turned to some kind of like a lost tourist, mm. and then I say, okay, the more I stayed, like you know, like everything was just so calm you know like when you are in the, in the storm everything is just going around mm. you don't know the idea mm. of life you just go 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 like a horse race race horse yeah so but when everything just settled see life has so much to offer let's see mm. what's what's gonna happen i still was so attached to the title of the doctor and say if i'm gonna stay i definitely I, there's nothing else i can do right so i got through the exams and credentials and everything but the more I went that direction, I, the more I realized it's not that important, you know. Mm. I just it gave you time to reflect on what you actually, who you actually want to mm -hmm. be, what you yeah. actually want to do. And Dubai, the, the Dubai plastic surgeon wasn't the the vision that came to you. It was the most. It was the shiniest, uh, let's say, future for success. Mm. I chose happiness mm. instead. And happiness. Now, you, I gotta say, your story is just just the idea that uh, three years ago you're in this war zone as a surgeon, and now you're this, um, you know, handsome TikTok star is is enough of an interesting story for me to want you on this show. But there are parts of the story that I've seen you talk about that seem a little amplified to me. Like, for example, you say when you first came to Canada, you say you were desperate and alone. I mean. Really, though, you're, you're the, it's like the good-looking, successful doctor from Iran. You have your sister here. You have family here. How desperate and alone were you, really? Well, so, yeah. So when I, when I was in Iran in my, in my everyday life, 
I had a lot of friends, parties, everything, like elite people in the country, you know, we just hang out every day. And I was like, you know, on, on top, on the In top. the scene, yeah. you were a high mm-hmm. C, okay. But when I came here, so after the, the transition, I said, yeah, so if I want to stay, I need my own place and I need to move out from my sister. And I just start building up my life. Uh, so no one knew me. It just doesn't matter, good looking. So yeah, now you're just talking about these images, the, the, the material thing. I could have buy friends. <laughs> I could have bought friends. Well, the, well, you you know, know, but I'm just. <laughs> you know, I, 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 it was, it was. No, but you have resources. You even have family here. You're, you're a young guy who's, you know, and I, it just did, you know, desperate alone makes me think of a guy who's, you know, has no options. Who's on the street? I mean, you were, you know, you. <laughs> it's. I know it. It, it serves the story well, mm. but I, you know, you, you, you knew you were going to be okay. It was more a decision around how do I deal with this change in circumstances. Yeah, I mean, so I, you know, you know, immigration, you know, like migrate when someone is new in a country, it's a, it's a big yes. challenge. Yes. I remember that I used to dress up and, you know, like, okay, so let's just do something. And I go out and walk around downtown Toronto and look at people. And I don't know what to do. I mean, like, okay, so. First of all, it's not as as easy as you see in movies. Like just <laughs> sit, you know, stay. You know, you're sitting in a bar and say, "Hey, you, you say something like super <laughs> wise or some like witty thing." Is that you? Now you hooked up? Right. No, it's not that. It's right, not that right, easy. Right. Yeah. What if you wear your scrubs? If you, <laughs> <laughs> if they know you're a doctor, does that help? Uh, probably, <laughs> yeah. But so that's that was not for me. I just I I I had some moments, but then I realized it's not. You like anyone else could have had it, uh-huh, could have had it uh-huh. if if had what you had, mm. and I was just. And your English wasn't great, right? No, in the beginning. No, I, I have to say I met you briefly. Like uh, strangely enough, we actually met a couple of years ago um, when you first few months that you were here, and I don't remember you speaking English very well. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, you know, on your video, like right now, you, I mean, you are fabulous and fluent, and that that's a you. You obviously did a crash course. Well, thank you. Uh, I mean. I'm I'm far from perfect, of course. I'm still sometimes I, I try. I you know I'm, I'm I'm smart enough to find a way to do my stuff to to mm. seem to be fluent. But you know, like I, I avoid things that I don't know how to talk about. <laughs> I prefer to talk about things that I'm I'm comfortable to talk about them. But uh, yes, I remember like I ordered a, a burger in a place in like a random place. They the, the guy the dude asked me something I don't know like he said something <laughs> about lettuce. Yeah, why not? Just put it in. They brought me the burger with no bun. They just, just, just lettuce. I mean, what, what, what is that? You, are you kidding me? Like, no, this is what you ask for. I mean, this is ex- definitely not what I ask for. Right, right, you know, right. I just, but I, as I, as I, I learned like a child and that's, that helped me a lot. I just listened to people. I almost read a book every week. I listen to podcasts. I just try to. It's amazing. You clearly have a learning curve. Uh, that's that's very impressive. So my favorite part of the story is for the guy who now has over 400,000 followers on TikTok and 5. Million, uh, or 5 million likes on TikTok is that you didn't know even what TikTok was two years ago, right? <laughs> this is, it's a, I just love it. I love the fact that this is, so you, you thought it was a dating app. Oh, yes. So you went on hoping for, for what? I mean, what was your, what did you think you were doing on TikTok? Well, 
you know, like just get back to the place that I moved here. So as I said, so I had all desperate the, and alone, yes, de- desperate on the street, alone, unable no, no. to eat. Yeah, des- I know, desperate okay. alone, but all the resources already, right? So you have the yes. resources. Yes, you can have like good photos and you know make a good cv on this dating apps and say yeah i'm this 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 all your you can make a you know put a link on your recent research and everything Uh but anyway so i was on almost every dating app available oh i mean honestly i mean i i I tried everything you went to town yeah (laughs) tinder bumble you did them all name it yeah all right how was it going by the way not not so uh promising oh okay yeah because right. I didn't know who I'm talking. I mean, it's not just speaking the language. You need to know what you find something common to talk mm-hmm, about, mm-hmm. to connect, you know. What if you found other Iranians? Was that not an option? Then you could talk in Persian. I exclude that option from the beginning. Oh. I decided, so that's why I'm living downtown Toronto in a place that there's no Iranian actually around me. I not Nothing against my own people, of course. <laughs> but. Right. Uh, I said, okay, so if you're going to move to another country and you're trying to learn and experience and, you know, see new things, you need to do new stuff. Good for you, man. That's why I just, the you know. The amount of people who come here and just replicate, you know, Tehranto, mm-hmm. right? I'm not that there's anything wrong with finding friends and comfort in that community. Obviously, it's fabulous. But, uh, but wow, that's uh, so you excluded Persians from the mm-hmm. dating apps. From uh, almost everything, yeah. So I, I have my like a very few Persian friends, and of course my sister. But that's how I still even I, I dream in in English. You know, like in in a short short time, I just wow. I think in English. I okay. talk to myself in English, and uh, so it helped me. So you're not having a lot of luck on the dating apps, and you think I'll put also one something on TikTok because. Uh, um, I, I mean, nobody explained to you that TikTok is not necessarily a dating I've, app. I've heard about it. Of, I've, of course, I, you know, like here and there, like two years ago, it was not so like. Correct. It was in its it, infancy yeah, still. Yeah. yeah. And I, I knew that there's some kind of TikTok people put things on. And I was looking for another app to edit a video to. I was so into my poetry back then. I was trying to publish my poetry to see if anyone, you know, like project a signal let's broadcast a signal to see if anyone interested in a poet mm. not a doctor to mm. feel you know to make me feel better and by the way i haven't asked you about the poetry yet i, I want to you had written actually a book yeah. uh, you've done a book of poetry so poetry is something that's been important to you since you were a kid yeah. and so when you talk about writing poetry that's in persian right of course yeah. yes yeah yeah well yeah so i found tiktok and i just i logged in and i saw okay beautiful ladies more beautiful ladies and mm-hmm. i said yeah that's good okay, at least you, you can do something and this is kind of like dating app that you can do something to show the world how cool you are mm-hmm. and but so it took me a couple of days to learn how things work there and you know for about maybe two weeks i just observed and uh, i start posting i tried almost everything and i just and i said as i said you know i made videos every day and i'm so uh, I'm not so good with the schedule in general. Really? Yeah. But when I, you know. I I'm would think a trained doctor would be very. That's something, yeah. Punctual. Yeah. yeah. That, maybe that was one of the reasons that I chose to work in the place that I used to work. Because <laughs> it was just me. No, I was, I was the chief of the hospital when I worked there. 
and I was just, you know, like I was okay. my own boss, right. even though I was a surgeon. Right. And I, you know, lived in a hospital. No one can page me anymore. I mean, right. I'm living you were on Persian concert time. <laughs> so the surgery starts an hour and a half yeah. later than it's supposed to because <laughs> the, the crowd's not in the, in the seats yet. Yeah. Not when you leave there, you know, like you're right. living there. So anyway, but, uh, but I was so, when I, when I actually get into something and focus, I, they, I call it flow. Like, you know, I just, I don't see, I mean, that's, mm. now it's, that was my job every mm. day, the same time, post, post, post. And one day something just went, as they say, viral, millions of views and yeah, that, that was it. And and I had like for for a while for a while I was like wow what should I do now? <laughs> what was the first thing that really hit? Uh, so in TikTok there are for me it was just and maybe a couple of them was uh, you know like these are very short videos that yeah, you post 10, right? yeah, 15, yeah. 20 seconds, and it was it was so challenging especially at the beginning I didn't know what to say how to say imagine you want to say something wise <laughs> in a language you don't know how to speak. Mm -hmm. And you don't even know how to look, how to, you know, like everything. Uh, you look like you know how to look. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think you've got, you've got that figured out. You've spent enough time. I figured it yeah. out. To be uh, honest, yeah. I, I listened, I, I observed the reactions. Okay. It, you know, they might. You really did this methodically. You, you, you really studied this as you my, were doing. My, my viewers actually created what I am doing in, uh. in, on TikTok. You know, if you go back and watch my very, very like first stuff, I had posts with like a t-shirt just doing random stuff. But the first one that I did with, uh, you know, with suits and everything, that one hit. Hmm. And I said, okay. And then I tried to, to reverse engineer. What, why did that, did that one hmm. hurt? And I said, okay, so they, they think I'm a doctor. I mean, I am a doctor. They see the name doctor. And when they see me in, in this like fresh, sophisticated like image, they accept what I'm saying even more. It's not about the name. Yeah. They see, so this, he's going to the office. He just took his time to yeah. say something. to. Well, there's some that you have the shirt on and the, the stethoscope. Yeah, like you've just come out of the patient, mm -hmm. uh, seeing a patient. For some yeah. reason, you've got that around your neck. It, I learned this is it. So I just, you know, you have three seconds to grab the audience's attention, even though you're going to talk about, I mean, even if you're going to talk about, you, you're giving them the heaven, if you don't grab the attention in the first three seconds, mm -hmm. no one listen to you. And of course, you just see a doctor with scrub and like, you know, a stethoscope, okay, so what, 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 what's happening? Uh, then I talk about smiling, which has <laughs> nothing to do with surgery. Yeah. It's, a, it's a wellness So where did, where did that, when did that start? The idea of fusing, of merging your two worlds, the surgeon and the poet. When, when when did you really start to think? Oh, that's what I what what I can do here. I so many people when they do something that uh, you know for me, if from one perspective you might say you wasted your time being a doctor for about eighteen years, and now you don't want to practice anymore hmm. from one perspective. And you starting over a whole new. You wasted your time because you're not practicing. Yeah, you mean okay, maybe, yeah. maybe. For me, it's okay. So I got all this experience and credential, and I I know a little bit about human brain, human body, human behavior, and I can integrate it to my poetry, and I just and I use it to 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 create something even hmm. better. Uh, 
at at the beginning i try to just separate them sometimes talk about medicine directly sometimes talk about poetry and then i i realized that you don't have to you just can because these are images these are titles as as you just played the first thing this you are I'm, I'm the water like whatever container you put me in like mm. you can i can change to mm. you know the images um you know there's from what i understand uh those who know you i think you've said this i don't know if i saw you say this somewhere but those who know you or are close to you or your family um it wouldn't be so much of a surprise for them to find out that to see you performing the way you do mm-hmm. in other words even this gentle mild-mannered quiet doctor guy that is sitting here the family knows better they you were a performer since you were a kid huh? since i was i remember yeah like not just close family and friends almost everyone who has encountered with me they know <laughs> that this guy I'm, I'm the one who always okay so let's let's just i steal the show <laughs> that kind of thing and as you know yeah even, so you were kind of made for this yeah that's the things i just i get back to what i've been i meant to do but isn't that crazy in other words if there hadn't been a pandemic notch you would have flown back and been a surgeon in, in or a plastic surgeon in dubai right now i that's the thing so sometimes life blocks all the other possibilities for you because they have it it has a better purpose mm. I, I don't know what's going to happen even still some people might see this is this guy's crazy he gave up everything he's of doing of course you know he's doing something like, especially persians yeah i, I mean, can hear you know there's some moms out there and dads you know, going what a waste what a waste, a waste. <laughs> he was surgeon <laughs> now he is playing on internet yeah. yeah yeah but so that's the thing i just i got back to what i meant to do because i had no other other thing to do and uh maybe in, in, in it's another scale of the story of jk rowling you know he she started writing about harry potter years before she finished her first book mm. and for years life just threw everything at her to you know block all the other ways and mm. possibilities and she had no other way to do you other. see yourself as the jk rowling of tiktok uh i, I, I see myself as dr iman <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you about the responsibility of being a doctor because you know we talked about we sort of joked about it but i i actually think there is something to the idea that you say you're a doctor well, I mean, you are a doctor but once you tell people you're a doctor um and you're imparting advice, uh, people take it seriously, mm-hmm. you know, like they go, the, the doctor is speaking. And um, you're kind of playing the role in your TikTok videos of a therapist, of a counselor in some way, some of your content. Uh, you are a doctor, but you're not a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Do you do you worry some people would take your, your words or your counsel too seriously? I hope they do take it also too seriously. Uh, first of all, knowledge is an illusion. Illusion. See, that's yeah. one of your lines. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? What is knowledge is an illusion, Pete? We think we know, but first of all, it doesn't matter how much do we know, how accurate do we know. I- imagine, let's talk about the most fundamental element of our being, which is the DNA. Okay. Yeah. So after all these years and all these studies and all this sophisticated science so far, we, uh, human being has 
discovered almost 3% of the DNA. Okay. And do you know what they call the rest, 97%? Mm. Junk DNA. Because they don't know <laughs> what they do. <laughs> right, okay. Junk DNA. So the arrogance, the ego. So if you don't understand it, it's, it's junk. I don't know that. And I'm not, you know, what I'm talking about. But most hang on a second. The knowledge that a psychologist has accrued, both from an education and from practicing, mm -hmm. is not an illusion. That's, that's knowledge that helps them help other this people, right? This is the right? best practice so far, let's say. Even psychology itself. I see. Even psychology or mental health itself is known as a separate entity for about like 50, less than 50 years. But I just think you have a lot of response. I mean, look, I, I'm not even just talking about you because mm -hmm. there are other people famously, Dr. Oz, whatever, mm -hmm. they, there's doctors who are doctors, but then anything, I mean, once you have millions of followers, people take you very seriously. You know, you're, you're, you're an authority. It's, it's a great it, responsibility. It's That's, a great responsibility. And you, and depending on what you're talking about, it might not necessarily be your, your field. You're not a doctor of everything. Mm -hmm, uh, it's the same as, uh, uh, you know, uh, my sister being a doctor of linguistics, but that doesn't mean she knows anything about cooking. Mm -hmm. um, but, but so, so, I mean, I don't even know if you're going to go there in terms of actually being a therapist or stuff. Mm -hmm. You, you, you do more um, general sort of wellness ideas mm -hmm. and thoughts that philosophies. Um, but I'm curious how you navigate that. I, I'm so, uh, first of all, yes, I am uh, mind, mindful of not giving direct medical, even uh, it's kind of like a psychotherapy. Mm. I, I talk about breathing technique. Because I, I, you know, I find something that I'm so certain and no one can say, oh, this is wrong. And if someone, you know, like do what you, what you say, it probably can harm them. Mm. And I'm so concerned about what actually you just said because Nowadays, and especially on social media, you see people who are complete fraud. They talk right. about things that they have no idea what right. they're talking about. Right. And the idea is... And uh, they have access to more people than they've ever had before. I know. I mean, sometimes the, the, the story is, I had the cancer. I cured myself. And I can help you cure yourself. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Right. Yeah, I mean, I never had cancer. I had more than 100 patients with cancer i still cannot make this this claim that yeah i can right. cure you you know and when you deal with people's health spiritual mental emotional even physical health mm. your again th th your clients your audience are vulnerable mm. they're desperate for answers that's how they trust anything in they find in the media but and we also rely on the doctors i mean i i joke about the status that doctors have in the persian community but but you know imagine something goes wrong in a public place we go is there a doctor is there a doctor on the plane right we don't go are you an ear, ear doctor or a veterinarian we just say we need you you're a doctor right mm -hmm. and so we give you that kind of power and we trust you and we want you and um but yeah i would think that you know um there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that, especially doubling back to what we were talking about in the beginning in terms of how sophisticated what you can say and do on mediums like TikTok is, right? So... Um, yeah, it is. It is It is a great responsibility what to say. And uh, so I never directly prescribe anything and I always mm. even when I you know go live and talk to people I always it's this is something that I learned you know the way that you talk to a patient or a client or like when you're talking to anyone about 
health, you would say, okay, first of all, you need to talk to your own doctor. Mm. You need to, you need, they, it's nothing that, of course, you need to know that you cannot jump into a conclusion immediately. Oh, and this is, this is what many people do. Oh, you had like your, your childhood trauma and you had your things like this and, you know, mm. you need to buy mm. my course and, you know, spend this money and like, I never sell anything until, uh, you know, like, yes, yeah, just buy my course. Or Not do yet. But the steak set is coming. I can see it. The knives and the steak and the 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 t-shirts. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the the, the, the Doctor Iman Tahiri like a, yeah. all the branding possibilities. That's that's the whole whole different story. Like even how you can monetize these kind of content. It's it's it's, it's crazy. It's a crazy challenge. with the kind of following you have. I, I'd be. S- very surprised if you don't have people contacting you about doing placements or sponsorships or all kinds of, uh, you, you know. know I'm, I a- am the kind of like media. I, you know, these, uh, yeah, I, I, people can, people see me. You know, followers has different names. I have like a limited people who really trust me. Mm. They're so engaged. They, you know, they're the, like maybe, I don't like this in this titles, but that what they get super fan. Mm. You know, they listen, they believe in you. Yes. Those people. Yeah, I've seen them. Mm-hmm. The comments are unbelievable. I mean, people talk about, that they are believable, but they're, they're very enthusiastic. They're, you brought me to tears, you changed my life, I follow you, I follow all your posts. I mean, the people, there's a real audience it's for 1%, you there. 1%, 2%. The rest are observers. Mm. They watch you, even they like you or not. I mean, that's it. It's something that I learned through social media. Don't let the numbers fool you, you know, like hundreds of thousands. I probably can, you know, I will be a billionaire. Do the math. No, don't do the math. Mm. It's, there's no, there's no uh, logical connection here. I, that's why, again, to get back to what you do, you need to love what you do. When How you, closely do you wa- follow the numbers these days? Do you, do, you, do you have a bad day if you post something that doesn't get the numbers that you really oh, want? Oh, many, many. Yeah. No, I mean, do you feel bad then? No, no. There no. are numbers. I mean, this is it's an ongoing challenge, of course. I need to, this is mental work. Every day I post something, I will do, I do my best to make the best content possible. Mm. But the moment I release the content, I just disconnect. There's nothing you else do. I can do. It's okay if it only gets a couple thousand, even though yesterday you got 200. Yeah, I've 000. never, I never remove something, you know, like delete something from my account. Oh, yeah, this, this one didn't go uh, well. And I might. Really? That's amazing. I, I mean, I, I, I do. I don't, I don't have anything like your following, but I've always, even when I hu- had huge followings, I've, and I would put something up that nobody likes or isn't getting traction, I'd feel bad. What That's did I do wrong? How did it, you know, you and which I know is the stupidest thing about, because there's all kinds of reasons why, you know, including algorithms, you don't know. If but, you like it, you post it. Yes. When you post it, you, That's no, one, the theory. No, no one can, no one can <laughs> tell you, you should have, li- you shouldn't have liked it, liked it, you know, like this That's is That's right. I don't let, it's, 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 not easy as i said sometimes i have like really mental breakdown you know why why it's happening i just uh-huh. i would take a break for a couple of days and you know what okay i need i need to I so need that's to happened to you yeah i mean and in the beginning you were obviously watching it very closely because you were yeah. trying to figure out what oh, works the, the and what endorphin doesn't. release of course like millions of views oh my god that's awesome yeah yeah but people love me mm-hmm. next day boom yeah. not so much right true, yeah true it's a case it's, it, it's the algorithm i mean you never know like there's something about the algorithm especially with TikTok. People say that TikTok is 
teaching the youth to what to do or it's just uh, manipulating Western society and like all this stuff, like this conspiracy th theories. I believe TikTok is learning from us. Hmm. This is the way, this is how AI, uh, AI develops. They did AI uh, learn from human being hmm. and then create their own pathways and make something even sup super intelligence. That's what they do. Every day, millions, let's say billions of input is receiving, it's, it's getting there. And the way that, you know, like, it's, it's just, it's, it's a game of us, we feeding the AI. Mm. I don't know when, how they're going to interpret it and what, what they're going to do with it. But, you know, like, they can, the AI, I'm not, I'm not talking about it's like particular country or like certain whatever uh, third party, but the AI now can create human being the exact way that you human mind at least mm. the exact way that we know because they have a lot of input and we are part of this game sometimes it goes high sometimes it doesn't so it's not about me it's about the game that they're playing well, except the fact that it's going so well is part of the reason you're here and that you're getting the attention you're getting and including a, a a tv series a doc series that we'll talk about in a moment so it's not all irrelevant to your success. It makes it's a, one of the things that you do, uh, Iman, that I, I think is is amazing. It's it, and it makes you accessible is your seeming facility for languages. You do. There was a series that you did of you were saying a few words uh, uh, and you did it in 10 different languages. Um, and I'm curious how many of those languages you are actually, you, you sound like you speak them all very fluently. <laughs> Your accent is, is amazing. Uh, but how many languages do you actually speak? Well, I, so Farsi is my, my mother tongue. Yes. I learned Arabic in, in school. Okay. I speak English with this, yes. this broken English you see. Sounds like you speak Turkish. I, I learned Turkish, Spanish a little bit, but you know, here and there, it's not okay. something fluent. Italian? Uh, no. But you speak Italian well in yeah. the video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, damn, this guy's got it all down. Like Hindi, but the, uh, Hindi, uh, yeah, you sound. I mean, that Portuguese man. That that was that was challenging Portuguese as well. So who? How did you learn to say all of those things or speak the, those languages, for the sake of the video at least? Oh, again, it, that was something you know. Like I let my my viewers shape my content. Okay. I, f I first I had this the moment of this the poem it was it came in the English first yes once upon a time I saw your eyes yes and I paused and I said and I do not remember the rest it's a short like love story yes. let's say and when I posted uh, I went through comments and one of my you know like commenters said that, that would be beautiful in, in Farsi yeah and I thought about it yeah why not? Let's do this. And I did it in Farsi. Do it in Persian right now? Yekshi bud, yekshi nabud, zire gumbad kabud, cheshma muftad, be cheshma shoma. Digi yadam nis. And then I went through the comment and someone said, oh, what about Spanish? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, Can you remember the other one? Can you remember them right now? Can you do it, the, the, the Spanish, for example? I'm not sure if I can remember Spanish. In in Arabic, it was fi yoman min al ayam raaitu ayneki, wala taalam baad zalik. That was the Arabic. But the other thing you do in terms of language, which is really quite beautiful, is that you do ASL or American Sign Language, or is it called or just Sign Language? Sign I don't know language. if it's American. Um, 
where did you learn to do that or is that something you've always known or is that something no you no i so those who those who know me since i was a you know like a teenager i used to sing with music like slip syncing and do all this hand gestures hmm. that was something that i you know I, I remember even like before teenage i worked with patients with hearing impairment uh, patients that I, you know, in, in, in Iran, and I learned from them a little bit you know, here and there. I just tried to learn sign language, first Persian, mm-hmm. Persian sign language. Uh, when I moved to, you know, if after all the stories. Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm just, so sign language is obviously different. Different. In every language. Mm-hmm. Huh. Wow. Yeah. So uh, th- I, th- I feel so naive for not thinking of this earlier, but so if I'm signing in English, it doesn't, the, a Persian person can't necessarily, who uh, signs in Persian doesn't understand that signing in English? Not, the not words completely. Are not the same? There uh, are some things, you okay. know, love probably is always the same. But uh-huh. uh, but yeah, so there are diff- different, because, you know, ev- every single person, they, they invented their own sign language in their own mm-hmm, society. Mm-hmm. So what is your sign language that you do? What this, is, it's, it's, this one is ASL. American ASL sign yeah, language. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. American and Britain sign language are different. Slightly British, different. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. So I, when I start doing what I'm doing, I was not confident enough to just show up on screen and you know, start speaking English la, 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 as fast. Like I should have express myself mm-hmm. okay you wanted to do something with your hands and i was i was kind of like mute you know like <laughs> i i'm just learning a language i don't know if i'm able to but so i'm kind of like uh, what they call it like uh expressive with my my f- facial expression yes, so yes. i could have i could have delivered the message even yeah. better so i added so i learn every every time i'm trying to uh, I, I I used to like make a video. I just go through words by word, and I sometimes I watch videos. So how can I say this? It's not especially at the beginning. It's not fluent at all, but it's just it's helped. It helped me to deliver the message. Even I'm sure it's really appreciated too. Yeah, but you know you probably get a lot of feedback on that. Yeah, that's something else. It's not just you know like so many people. Some people might say that oh you're doing a really nice thing for people with hearing impairment, which I believe it's. The opposite. It's the other way. Sign language add a lot of value to my content. Mm. You know, even though I, I think there's f- about 400 million people out there that use in sign language, but I think even more people are connected with sign language because social media is kind of like a dictatorship mm. these days. People who have the stage, they can say anything they want. And those who do not have the stage, even though they have the most brilliant messages, they are muted. They mm. don't have the voice. Mm. And that's how when I start doing the sign language, people relate. They say, okay, this is for us, even though we can speak. Absolutely. But, you know, that yeah. was just maybe another layer that, okay, so now they, they're more connected. So when you're doing a, a post now, a video for TikTok or an Instagram, or, or you also have a YouTube channel, we'll link to all of these things, obviously, uh, on our platforms for this interview. H- how long does it take for you to prepare one of these things in terms of getting the language right, knowing how you're going to perform, getting the ASL together? Uh, this isn't just a, you know, uh, little selfies you're taking. I mean, this is prescribed stuff it's, it's, now. It's a project, yeah. I mean, writing, the other day I had this, this conversation with one of my friends. 
writing the poem, the, the recent poem that I post, it took me 10 minutes. Making the video took me four hours. <laughs> Especially like with, if the more I- A 30 second video takes four hours. Yes. Uh, after about 18 months of working every day, more than 20 hours a day. Wow. Focusing on you wow. know, thinking. About, it's a full-time job. It's even more than it's two full-time jobs. Wow. Uh, it's when it gets to technical part, it's it's so painful for me, you know, to learn the lighting, the audio, how does it mixing. The and you're doing all that. You don't want to bring anybody to help you do that stuff. So I mean, this is just me. It's, it's you're happy to do it yourself. Yeah, even even like for now, it's just me. Yeah. So the mixing and the music and everything that's you. Yeah. Hmm. The subtitle, color enhancements, music, lighting. You know, it's all about you know just. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what have you learned about who your audience is? At at maybe very first stage, I was not so into niche, as they say. I was like, I'm talking about life; anyone can relate. Uh, but now I so like more my audience are more women, I guess. Seventy mm-hmm. percent. Uh, well, those platforms are female dominated. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, like Instagram is for sure. Yeah, and the age, you know, the age ranges between like twenty-five to fifty-five, and I, I'm, I'm just so, you know, this is something that I check from time to time. I, I look up to when I see that my my content is reaching younger generation. That would be something that, that make me make me. You happy. like that? Yeah. And I've seen you on your lives talking about how people joining from like it's a pretty global audience too for you, right? Yeah, that's that's something. I think this is the most unique thing about my content and my my platform. It's not just you know limited to one country or region or language. It's it's one of my favorite things about doing Rook Media is um, is the idea that I know that there are people all around the world tuning into this. It's such an amazing feeling. Um, and for me, it, because I didn't grow up in Iran, to know that there's people listening to us right now in Tabriz and Mashhad and, and Shiraz is really cool, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's something that you just couldn't experience 20 years ago. It just didn't exist. And but technology has allowed that to happen now. True. Um, how do you hope to keep growing the Dr. Iman show? And tell us about this. This is a revelation to me. I didn't know that you have a a network TV series um, that's you're going to be working on. You just told me as you were as we were getting ready for this interview, and so um, that's huge. What is it? What you're you're going to Mexico and doing something? What are you, what are you, what are you doing? Well, this show is yes, it's a it's a network. It's a uh, TV network called Townhouse Network mm-hmm. that uh, I they talked to me about a show that I'm going to have. The first season is in Mexico. The idea is me as a you know doctor, surgeon, poet, who is life enthusiast and just trying to talk to people, learn new stuff, traveling around the world and finding the secrets of well-being, wellness, what people doing there in the country. Like like for first season in, in Mexico, I go see places with like they have the fire ceremony, they have the cacao ceremony, huh. and all this. What it's that was my idea actually so let me go places and talk to not not just see beautiful cities but find extraordinary people and ask about their practices i know this i think i know the 
part of the medicine, let's say Western medicine, but there are so much more to learn. And uh, will this be in English or in? Yeah, that's huge, man! Congratulations, Thank that's you. and exciting. Also, it sounds like you're going to be traveling a lot. I hope so. That's what. It, yeah, you're 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 up for that. You don't need to be grounded in one place. You're. That's the way that I I always lived with no anchor with no. I moved to Canada with the suitcase, and I'm ready to go even with a backpack now. That's amazing. That's amazing. And and what would your I mean, I think I've got the answer to this. You know, I would have thought it was a more contentious question when we started off, but listening to you talk, I mean, it sounds like you really love this, what what's happening right now. If you were to choose, if you were to have to choose between your old life of being a doctor um, and a surgeon, what you trained for 18 years, all of what we talked about, even though you're a super young guy, uh, and this new world of working in media and social media and creating this content, I'm guessing you're choosing where you exactly are now, huh? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I enjoyed, I was proud of what I've done before. And uh, today is probably the best day of my life. Tomorrow will be the, the best day so far. You know, like I'm just wow. living it every day, one day at a time. How do your parents feel about this new direction? Oh my God, my dear, <laughs> uh, yeah, my dear parents, they're they're lovely. They are, yeah, I mean, my my parents are the best. My mom is my first spiritual teacher, spiritual mentor. She was the one who talked to me about spirituality, about self love, about self awareness at a very young age, and she loves my poetry. She has this something about, it's something that I, my mom has this kind of like, you know, like in, in groups on, on Telegram and mm -hmm. you know, WhatsApp yeah. groups that moms have. And uh, they send some, some spiritual stuff together. Yeah. And one day she called me, she said that one of the members in the group sent a video of me <laughs> not knowing she's your no, mom yeah i love it send I love it. Say, listen this guy is talking about <laughs> what you used to you, you talk about and my mom said yeah because he's my son <laughs> that you know the, the that so day, she's sold yeah she she's is. in mm -hmm. what about dad oh yeah so that's another story uh, my dad my dad is um he's the boss he's uh, kind of like a boss kind of dad of course and uh, so he was, he, he always wanted to be proud of me mm. anyway. So I just, I, I made it to the top of this, the medicine as I, I think I did to make him proud. And uh, so that, it's, it's, that was a huge change to me, for me to pivot to what I'm doing. For, for a really long time, he didn't even talk about it. Not, not that he didn't talk to me, he just talked like, and from time to time, say, what about your exams? He was hoping it would go away. Yeah, so it, he probably yeah. would give up, you know, like <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. and from time to time he used to ask about, so what about the exams? Good, I mean, I passed this one. What about the next one? I passed yeah. the second oh, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but so now he just, you know, he reached to the level, you know what? Do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, because he see that yeah, the feedbacks are coming. Yeah, His he friends are telling him, Iman is doing great. Like, look at him. I said, yeah, is he? Is he? Like the other day, he, he called me. How many followers do you have? <laughs> what, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, the, this guy said you had one million followers. No, I don't. <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, uh, that's amazing. That's uh, yeah, he'll come around. Yeah, he, he had the. I mean, it is an adjustment mm-hmm. from uh, youngest fabulous surgeon uh, to uh, to TikToker. Um, how are we doing with the dating apps? Are we still on all the dating apps? Oh, trying no. to, are was, we giving, giving up on that? Yeah, that's the thing. So even you becoming a, a public figure. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a little more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, and honestly, who, who wants to even to date me now? I'm just so focused on what I'm doing, I, you know. Like, Are you kidding? No, I'm I mean, sure no, a lot no. of people want to date you. I'm not so much fun to be around, to be honest. Ah. You know, like if I'm so focused on writing, reading, doing, listening to podcasts. I don't even have time to call someone and spend hours on the phone. Yeah, ah. you, you know, I'm just so focused. You think you would be an inattentive partner? Uh, I cannot because, you know, when it comes to, to relationships, mm. I will put everything. I'm not, I'm not kind of like a balanced kind of like relationship guy. And I know if I find someone to you know, to start a relationship with, I probably will stop doing what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, let's just... Really? Yeah, I, I can move... So you're not going to... What about... Like, will you, can you casually date? Will you, you, can you, will you go out for, with people? I, nowadays, I'm so limited with my, you know, even my, my social interactions because, you know, I just... You know, the, the world is going back to reopening mm. and I still don't have real connections in a mm-hmm. real world now like I just go places here and there but uh it's tricky i have you not had people propositioning you on the online i i'm have. sure you, yeah. you i'm sure people are sending you photos and saying yeah tell when me are about you it. coming to esfahan <laughs> tell uh, me about yeah, it well uh yeah. what happens with that i mean do you ever respond well i'm professional yes. and i and uh i it's not something new for me to be targeted you know like mm. but i know so this is professional for me i would rather to f- you know meet and date someone that has no idea doesn't know about yeah. your success on mm-hmm. a, oh interesting so the so anyone that you're interacting with on the basis of the dr iman show even if it's not somebody who has anything to do with the production of it obviously mm-hmm. but somebody who's reaching out to you from hey i live in ottawa i just want to say you're great you consider that professional yeah, I just I respond respectfully. I try to be nice as much as possible. But you my know, name's Kathy. I'm coming to Toronto. Can we meet up for a coffee? You would say no. I'm. I mean, I've never done that. Wow. Uh, sometimes people get offended. Mm-hmm. Say, just a coffee. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And you say no. Yeah. Wow, I mean. All right. Because not it's not about that person. If I if I do this once. Mm. it probably will get more sure you know, like and yeah. some others might say oh so you did meet with the other one why don't you meet with us or why don't you why don't you it, it's it's kind of distraction right. and it's I'm but tra- you're a human i mean i i don't know anything about dating apps i've never that i i don't i've never done it actually but i mean isn't that you know you're a young guy you're single i mean do you go you know bumble the woman chooses and you you know you find somebody you like you go out on a couple of dates what's the big deal what's the problem there are so many fake accounts under my name and dating apps these days (laughs) (laughs) oh people are dating you it's just not you yeah (laughs) Uh, i I sometimes from time to time i receive some messages oh isn't it you i mean no it's not (laughs) Uh, right right but i had a great time with you last night (laughs) what i was at home yeah yeah okay yeah but uh, so it's tricky, you know. Like I'm just because I I I worked so hard with what I done for yes. yeah, and I I believe it's still not yet there, you know. Like when 
when it becomes something more good for you. Yeah, That's just, the kind of focus that leads you to learn ASL, master TikTok, learn English. I mean, all the things you've done in two years of being here uh, in a new country. It's really, really impressive. Um, let me finish off with asking you about one of your sayings. And you, you tell me how this applies to you. This is one of the things you say in one of your videos. You say, you're not here, you're talking to the audience. You say, you're not here to succeed, you're here to try. Exactly, I love it. This exact, I don't know what they call it, like maybe quote, it came to me on my dream twice. Hmm. And it was this, the, this, this, the voice of a, a lady right before I wake up. Uh, she told me, you're not here to succeed. You're here to try. And I woke up and I was like, wow, what was that? I mean, I just, I wrote it down and I, and I made, I, I definitely will work on it more. But it, it just, it, it explains everything. Hmm. Success is, it's, an, it's a random event. What I, happened for me for one video that I don't know why it happened. Hmm. It could, ha could have not happened at all. But it doesn't mean that I should stop trying. I, I try not to succeed. I try not to have a regret. Mm. You know, when you don't have regrets and you have nothing to regret, I tried my best. This is exactly when you post it, you post it. Just, is there anything else you could have done? No. So just let it be. If it works, good for you. If it not, you know, you have no regret. Uh, success is something, I think these days we have too much value in it. It's not, uh, it's not as important as, as we think it is. And it's definitely sabotaging our happiness. Dr. Iman Tahiri, it's been a pleasure. Thank I you. thank you so much for coming in here. I'm so excited for what lies ahead for you. I'm looking forward to this travel uh, series, seeing you in different parts of the world, and I hope you come back. Thank you so much for having me. It was, I, I really enjoyed it. Thank, Thank you, you, brother. Dr. Iman Tahiri, surgeon, poet, man behind the popular TikTok and Instagram channels, The Dr. Iman. Iman Tahiri joined me here in the Rook studio today. Microphone's back on, the Groovy Shia, the fabulous Keon, and Smart Pega, who's joining us this week in lieu of uh, Captain Reza being in Vegas. Uh, the surgeon and the poet <laughs> yes. has I just left the studio. What a uh, what an interesting man. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, I know him uh, yeah. before, the, before this interview. And, you know, uh, what I really admire about him and ad appreciate is that, uh, like the the path that he he uh, has passed you know like i remember we had ali parsa on the show mm -hmm. and he said that don't look at the uh, person as he is or she is right now don't look mm -hmm. at the way that they're passing so like as as you mentioned he he, he he was saying look at how far they've traveled in their past mm -hmm. what they've done yeah 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 so i i really appreciate his hard work and yep I agree. It's kind of a reminder, too, that for the most part, maybe somebody once in a while strikes gold, but 
but for the most part, even influencers or people who are doing well on the on on social media, it's a lot of work. Mm. Oh, like yeah. This guy's putting in you know twenty hour days. He's saying, yeah, you know, thinking. So it's not just. Uh, I mean, and there's you have to respect that. I mean, the the, the kind of and you're right. I mean. Two years ago, like I, I, I told you, I said in the interview with him just now that I met him, yeah. and you, you remember that yeah, I yeah. met him very briefly, and uh, but I, re- I don't recall him being able to speak English at all. Wow. Like it was very, very, you know, challenging for him, and and uh, he kind of spoke, but it wasn't. And I mean, he's in two years, he's. Yeah absolutely fluent and that's hard work (laughs) if i was to i don't know move to germany and try to learn the language it would take me at least a decade to even be able to carry a conversation so and he said it himself one of the biggest like um blessings if you will that he was given is that he's adaptable that's Mm -hmm. such a like it's a rare commodity to have in any human being to just be able to adapt to any changing scenario like i know a lot of doctors if for example they suddenly lost their license they would be crushed what else could they do and this guy just picked up and started a new career yeah so it's it's impressive yeah yeah absolutely and uh, to have the kind of uh, flexibility and the foresight especially when you've worked that hard to sort of develop Mm -hmm. a a pedigree you know i put in all those years into being a doctor and you know that he can i I guess what he was talking about being a plastic surgeon in in dubai Mm. that's a pretty fast path to a wealthy comfortable life you know hard work but whatever Mm -hmm. you know um so that he's willing to forego that Mm -hmm. and go on this adventure (laughs) i wonder how his parents feel (laughs) Do you know? Maybe Shaya? should interview them. Yeah, they're like you know. They they prefer that he's some be a doctor. Of course, yeah. Persian parents. Persian yes. parents. What do you think, Smart Pega? I actually was fascinated by the uh, sign language that he picked up. Yeah, mm. that was incredible. I mean, languages, yes, but sign language, which I guess is technically a language too. But that was fascinating to me. Yeah, and did you did you had you thought about the fact that there's different no. sign languages for different? For different languages, no, I no. didn't know that. Yeah. I, it was fascinating. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. he said he learned Persian sign language, then now he does American sign language, and it, it had never occurred to me yeah. that there's more than one sign language. But that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, it's very, it's almost insulting to not think of that, you know. But <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah, it was complete revelation to me. But why? Like everything is the same. So why do, do they have to have a different signage? I guess well, each country was responsible. Well, for what's the American sign language sign for ta- the word tarof? Oh, well, I mean, that's one word. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's like like dog, languages cat. are different. But he was saying that there are some words that are the same, like love. I thought that was amazing that mm. love is mm. universal in sign mm. language. Yeah, that, let that be a lesson to you, young Pega. Mm. <laughs> love is universal, no matter what the language. <laughs> Still sounds better in Farsi. Uh, yeah, well, I mean... Uh, Thank you to, to Dr. Iman Tahiri for coming here and being, telling you know, sharing his story and and uh, being as frank as he is. I, I like that he was, I like that he's very open about. I methodically sat down and figured out what works on TikTok. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. he's not kind of pretending that this is just, just happening. I mean, mm-hmm. he's 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 uh, uh, making the case for it, that you have to kind of work at it. Um, thank you, guys. Let's get to our next guest, uh, Smart Pega. Thank you for jo- joining us. It's been uh, nice to have you uh, in studio with us. Taking Reza's spot. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> get, get back to work. No. Uh, 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 Fabius Keon, Gubishaya. See you in a little bit. Uh, our next guest today 
is an Iranian-British fashion designer and wardrobe stylist and the founder of the London-based fashion house Vasekia. Alisa Vaseri was born in Iran. She moved to England with her family as a kid. She says she always loved design and pursued her interest with a degree in fashion design from the University of East London. Since then, her star has been rising with the launch of her own brand, specializing in fashion collections made with alternative and unconventional materials. Alisa was the winner of Britain's Top Designer Award in 2018, and her works have been featured in numerous publications such as The Daily Mail, The Sun, OK Magazine, Women Magazine, The Daily Star, Entertainment Daily, Sunday Express, and Vogue. Elisa has worked at Dyson Selfridges and, and was the lead creative at Topshop. She currently works as the head of costume at Grange Park Opera and also as deputy wardrobe manager at Shakespeare's Globe. And right now, Elisa Vasseri joins me from London, England. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm great. It's very good to have you on the program. <laughs> Thank you so much for inviting me. Did I say the name of your brand correctly? A Vasseri? Yes. Yeah. Vasegia. Oh, it's a Vas- Well, how, how do white people say it? I mean, how do, how do British people say uh, it? Well, <laughs> in a lot of different pronunciations, but... Because it's, um, it's got the G-H. Vasegia. It's got the G-H, like, uh, I mean, I don't... I, that would confuse people. So, did they say Vasegia? Vasegia, yeah, Vasegia. Right. Vasegia. Vasegia. Not the but... It sounds like you're Vasegia. not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that might be something you need to add to the list of things that uh, your growing empire <laughs> includes. <laughs> how to say the name of the brand? The um, brand you uh, let's say Vaseria, so we can be Persian about it. Um, yes. You, you. I mean, you're still in your twenties. You're very impressive. What does it mean to to receive the Britain's Top Designer Award? Did it um, did it change your life and the way you are perceived in the fashion community? I mean, it. it it's amazing. I mean, it was a year after my graduation and um, I simply got invited to the show and um, I was already creating a collection and being there, you know, there was a lot of part- participant people there, there about six, seven of us. And there was pre-interviews and then all the models were on the catwalk. Um, it was very, very surprising because I didn't think I won. and. As soon as the models came off, I just went backstage and started packing up all my stuff. <laughs> and I was like, let's go, we're done. And then um, everyone was looking for me. I was like, where have you been? Everyone's calling your name on stage. Where are you? And I was like, why is everyone calling my name on stage? Um, yeah, I was. It was. it's it been amazing. I mean, it's an amazing award to win. Um, I've met a lot of people in the industry since winning the award. It's opened up a lot more opportunities for me. Um, yeah, it's been amazing. Why didn't you think you would win? Is that just um, modesty? What I mean, surely you know no. you <laughs> There was a lot of talented people there, like a lot. And I don't know, I guess I just had a bit of self-doubt at the end of the show. And I was like, I've probably not won. I'll just go back and pack my stuff. But it was amazing being there and i love it it sounds kind of like a scene in a movie where she's you're headed towards the door <laughs> and they come and get you no you've won and the lights shine <laughs> yeah it's brilliant um so congrats on launching your own brand in the last few years so so tell us about the mission behind the vasseria brand um i mean since the age of 10 um it's always been my dream to have my brand and i've literally since the age of 10 i've gotten my eight so 18-year-old goals, 30-year-old goals, 
50 year old goals are all written down and I always knew what I wanted to do and I make sure that every year I'm step closer to what I want and my goal was at the age of 18 to move to London so I grew up in a um, city called Plymouth uh, in Devon in England and my dream and my goal was to move to London and study fashion and launch my brand so that goal has been ticked and I've done that <laughs> And then my next goal, I'm not going to say what it is, but when I'm there, it will be there. <laughs> oh, you're not allowed to say, it's like Fight Club? No, you can't say, like, do you, you're not allowed can't to say, say what until the, it happens. Right, right. So we can't know what the 30-year-old goal, goal is until you turn <laughs> yet, 30. No. <laughs> but surely you're on your way. What? But what did you want to, I mean, I know you're committed to non-traditional and alternative materials. When did you know that that was going to be part of the mix of what you wanted to do with your own brand? Um, so from like the age of 10 and when I, you know, my dream goal was to have my brand, be a fashion designer, um, I was modeling and I was helping a lot of, you know, um, college students and university students with their graduate shows and I was doing a lot of magazine work for them and I always used to look at people's design work and you know it was in very inspiring to see what people have done from their research and just a whole story and the process of what they've got on a piece of paper to what they've created in a 3D look and it always inspired me and I guess with my work, I love making garments and clothes from different materials that you wouldn't usually think to make clothes out of. So, for example, my I went to college and I studied fashion design and in college um, we had a final show and for my final show I made clothes from um, PVC pipes. Um, so it's like plumbing pipes. and Plumbing for, pipes? Yeah, so plumbing pipes, oh, the wow. plastic tubes that, you know, where water runs through and the sewage and everything. But um, I got my father to cut them up and um, he cut them up and I made it into this 3D dimensional top. And the bottom half was knitted using the plumbing pipes. So it was like massive plumbing pipes and I knitted felting wool, which I got from the farms in like Cross Devon and Cornwall. <laughs> and um, so the whole collection was knitwear and it was all like 3D plumbing pipes. And I just love shape and like as a brand, I'm inspired by neuroscience, um, architecture, just like different nature, different materials. Let me come back to the neuroscience, and, but but can I just ask you, because yeah. I've, having been to some fashion shows, sometimes I see something that a designer is doing and, um, you know, especially like the top design, you know, the Alexander McQueen or something, and and everybody's cheering for it, and yet it doesn't look like anything that anyone would ever practically wear. So is yeah. is plumbing pipes something that you could actually produce for more than one person? Like, would it be something that any, or or is it? it no, I mean, I guess I'm being I'm I'm being actually serious about it. Is it is it about the doing something creative in terms of design, or is it actually about creating something that people will wear? I guess. It depends on um, what you want to achieve as a brand and your what you do as a designer. Like with my work, um, like the plumbing pipes and like my glue work. I mean, it's they're all almost like art pieces, and it's showing people my imaginative side of 
I don't know, a word that I've started with, something that's inspired me, something I've taken from nature or architecture or a piece of art that's inspired me. And I've, you know, worked on that, I've designed and I've created that art piece. So it's more like for people to be inspired by, but then I guess for a wearable, structural piece, um, that would be a different collection. So it'll be a ready to wear collection. But a lot of my pieces are all haute couture and, um, you know, you wouldn't see someone wearing a plumbing pipe dress walking down the street. I mean, I, I love, I, I love it. I love that you're an artist. And for those people who are uh, not just listening to this, but watching it on on YouTube or Instagram, we'll put up some pictures of your your works. And incre- it's incredibly creative. It's very artistic. Do you butt heads with yourself at times and and sort of think, okay, uh, I need to produce. Uh, a jumper that looks like <laughs> something that will sell at Selfridges so that I can make a lot of money or make this into a business and I, I need to stop being uh, a cool indie artist or are you okay with that? I mean, like as a brand, um, I've never, like I've been asked a few times, how do you make money from your brand? And that's never been my goal. My goal has always been as a designer, as a creator to show people my creativity and just show my way of thinking and how a certain word or a certain building has inspired me to make this mm. and the reasons behind it. And, you know, there's sketch, there's sketches, there's the making process. And I just love showing people that story and what it meant and how it's meant to be that, if that makes sense. So it does. It does. It's not so much as a brand. I've never been like, Oh, how am I going to make money? It's not, about that it's about me myself and how i want to show people that specific art piece that i've created that, that goes on a catwalk but then even in the catwalk i always have a certain music for that specific collection and i make sure the music is made by you know certain friends of mine are music producers and they make music so i make sure that all my research and everything it's all it's all like an experience like it's all the six senses that we've got so the the smell the the taste not not so much taste but you know the visual the feel it's making people feel a certain way to see in and be in there if that makes sense and and your persian parents <laughs> never say <laughs> and they, they never say why don't you make i don't even know if they have an accent <laughs> Why you don't make a T-shirt that everybody <laughs> buy, and then you make millions of dollars like Fatima? She is engineer, you know. <laughs> make a T-shirt. I'm like, no, done. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but well, no, my parents have always been supportive of my crazy ideas, and they're always like, do what you do, what makes you happy, follow your dreams. Oh, that's great. What is it? What is the the glue thing? I know that you're known for your work with glue tell me how you integrate that into into your fashion so um it was in university so when i moved to university in london um it was it was our second year at uni and we had a module that um we were given a specific word and within that word um, they said you can do anything you want you can make what you want and prior to that um they it was very restricted. So they would say, you can only do this, or you can only make that. And as a person, I don't like a lot of restrictions. I like to just, you know, get creative, do what I want and, you know, 
two of that. But I guess it's university and you have to do different modules. But it was the second year and um, our tutor said, you know, do what you want, but here's your word. So they gave us, um, I had a word migration. So I looked at migration of energy through the body hmm. and the body movement. And then that led me on to neuroscience and um, connecting of um, tissues on, in the body. And um, a lot of my research was on brain scans and connective tissues. Um, and that module migration, um, we had, I think there was one lesson and they said, you need to produce five pieces of, you know, A4 board and show us your research. And I went home that evening and I was like, I don't want to make five boards. I'm going to make a fashion film. <laughs> and I've never made a fashion film in my life. So I didn't, you know, I know how to record, but I didn't know how to edit. You've never made a what? What was the word you say? You, I've never made a what? A fashion film. A fashion film? Yeah. Oh, Okay. So instead of making five boards, I wanted to make a fashion film to show my research and my, I don't know, the research that goes on behind it. And um, so I went home that evening and I said, I'm going to make a fashion film. I have no idea how to do this, but I'm going to I'm going to do it. I'm going to find a way. So um, I got one of my housemates and I put her in this black tube, like this black tube that I just quickly sewn up. And um, I got a camera from university and... I took 966 images and we've been taking those pictures. So I got to do some loads of body movements and it was a migration of energy through the body. And I got to do some really cool movements and I took all those 966 images and I got my laptop and, you know, instead of recording and editing, I got the images and I downloaded some software on the laptop and it was a screen recorder. So I was flicking through images forwards and backwards and I found a song that I thought would go well with, you know, the whole feel, the whole look, and I was flicking back and forth. So I screen recorded it and that was my way of editing. <laughs> and then the next day I took that into university and my tutor was like, where's your five boards? And I said, oh, I don't have one, but I have a fashion film. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, Basically, within that module, um, he was he was very surprised. He really liked the fashion film, and I explained my process and what I created, and um, basically that led me on to doing a lot of film work and um, photography, which I self-taught myself um, later on. But there's a reason for that. But I'll I'll come back to that. But the glue work—that's where it all came in from. So a lot of my research was. Um, neuroscience and connective tissues and I always had this idea of making clothes out of glue so I called my parents up and I said I'm going to make clothes out of glue but what does that mean <laughs> making clothes out of glue what does it actually um, mean I mean it's, it was just an idea I mean before I did PVC and you know the plumbing pipe so I thought next challenge would be to make clothes out of glue and I had this thought for ages and I was trying to process how I would do it and how I would make it and in that module, because we had to make a final piece um, of migration, within my research and everything, um, I basically, I went online and I ordered loads of glue from this website. <laughs> and then I got it and I, I, I still remember my first glue gun was the cheapest glue gun. It was, I think it was like 15.99 from their website. It was the smallest, cheapest thing. 
and I got that and then I just started sampling and you know pressing it on different surfaces to see what I can make I just started exploring and like I those different surfaces I tried so like tiles I tried wood I tried loads of different surfaces but obviously it's glue so it would stick to the glue the, sorry the glue would stick to the surfaces and my final you know resolution was water so hang on, <laughs> so hang, on hang on hang on hang on hang on i take a couple of steps back here uh, this is probably a stupid question but i this the the, the thing is freaking me out so you, <laughs> are you talking about you were you wanted to make clothing where you glue pieces of material together or are you saying that the clothing no. itself would be glue the clothing itself would be glue <laughs> so materials would be glue <laughs> but the only way to make a material that doesn't stick on surfaces was to do on top of water so you know um i remember at that time i didn't have a bathtub so i was using my best friend's bathtub who lived down the street which was fine and i went to her house with all these glue and i was sat in her bathtub and i was just making like all this glue material on top of water and I think it took me a couple of months to make it, but I was just producing loads and loads of material of glue. <laughs> and through, through experimenting and through trying different surfaces and different techniques, it's taken me a lot of years to get to where I am now, to you know, redefine it, make it a lot thinner. But what does it feel like to wear a garment made of glue? <laughs> I mean, um, it feels it's like latexy sort of material. Huh? It it's not. It's, it's not, not hard. It's not like hard. It would feel I, I, like. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm thinking of wax or something. Wouldn't glue? <laughs> wouldn't glue harden? <laughs> I don't, I don't I mean, even know what I'm it's, talking about. It's like a different. It's like a soft sort of um, plastic. Huh? It's like a soft lace. It's it's like lace. It feels like lace. Plastic. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's not. And but what, it depends on what part of the garment you're using. What there's like different layers you would add on for a certain specific shape, or yeah. And what kind of garments have you made of glue? So my first garment was um, the university project uh, migration, and it was this three D dimensional um, piece, and it had like different colors in it. So there was blue, there was hints of gold, silver, mm. and different shades of blue. And from that, I went on to using that for my final year at university, which was featured at Graduate Fashion Week. And that was a whole collection made of simply glue and Sophie Hallett lace. So I was one of the finalists for Sophie Hallett lace and they provided us a box full of Sophie Hallett lace, which is, um, have you heard of Sophie Hallett lace before? No, I don't know what that is. <laughs> So a lot of designers like Gucci, Chanel, um, so Kate Middleton's wedding dress was made from Sophie Hallett lace, and they provide the, the best quality and luxury lace for okay. like bigger brands. Okay. But as a university project, I was one of the finalists, and they gave me a massive box ball. So I combined the my glue work with Sophie Hallett lace, and um, that was my final year collection. But I also made glue shoes. Glue shoes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Good for all seasons. Uh, <laughs> Nonstick. I mean, you know, I I, I, I think this is a, like I'm I just think that it, it is um, 
great that you have this kind of wondrous creativity and that you're channeling it into what you do. And and I'm not surprised you were winning designer awards because uh, it, you're thinking outside the box. Clearly, I'm also thrilled that you're Persian. Like, I don't know what kind of <laughs> Roshan Fex parents you have who are like, do you want to be a doctor or engineer? I'm going to make clothing out of glue. Go on, honey. That's great. I mean, it's just not, not usually heard of in our community, you know. Um, but uh, uh, that's a, and you also have a um, you have a major commitment to faux fur. Um, t- yeah. t- t- tell me about that, and tell me about. I mean, I guess people have heard this kind of arguing uh, reasoning before, but um, but tell me why you believe that we shouldn't be wearing real fur. So, um, as a designer, I've always been quite. I'm very passionate about animals. I love animals. Even my final year university, in my dissertation, that was all about faux fur and against animal fur. And um, it's taken me a lot of years to research into finding the finest luxury quality faux fur and using that instead of real fur. Because a lot of real fur, um, no one really knows where they're coming from or how the animal was treated in that process. No one really knows unless you know, the designer has specifically told you that, you know, no animals were harmed in the process of getting that real fur. But to me, um, as a brand and as a designer, you can get best quality faux fur that feels like real fur, but no animals were harmed in that process. So it took me a couple of years to find a good manufacturer where I can get the best quality faux fur that, you know, when you touch it, it feels the softest thing mm. you would feel like it would feel like real fur and as a brand i really want to push that out and um i launched my faux fur coats and my hats um two years ago and um every year i'm wanting to add more to the collection so this winter i'm going to have a new collection with a different sort of twist to the faux fur and um, every year I'm adding little bits and new accessories and new parts but yeah it's taken me a couple of years to research but the manufacturer where I get the faux fur um, they give certain percentage of their profit to PETA and loads of other um, animal charities and mm-hmm. organizations mm-hmm. so everyone that buys from me that I buy my materials from you know it's all going to a good valuable charities. I guess I guess at this point there's no um, reason I mean setting aside sort of First Nations folks who use all the parts of the animal and and but but I mean in in in, in contemporary uh, and certainly in fast fashion there's no reason for people to be wearing real fur anymore right? No not at all no hmm. but I guess people don't I don't know but to me as a, I love animals so much and I want to push that faux fur over real fur to people because if you get the finest quality, you, you don't have to wear real fur at all and no animals need to be harmed in the process. Where do you find the finest quality faux fur? Is there, is that some something that's easy to find? No, it's, it's quite difficult. It is very difficult. It's taking me a lot of sampling and a lot of research and I've, spoken to a lot of companies i've gone to see a lot of companies um it is difficult to find good quality fofa let me ask you about um creativity alisa since that seems to be the um 
the underlying subtext of our conversation, your creativity. Uh, where did it come from? I mean, you're a kid from Tabriz. You, you came yes. to England when you were six. Do you come from a particularly creative Azeri family? Yes. I mean, um, on my dad's side, a lot of my aunts, they're all um, professional sewers. Um, my mum did a lot of sewing back in Iran. Um, she's very good on a machine. My sister, she's an interior designer and a jewelry designer. Um, my dad, he's, he does antiques and um, vintage business, but he's very creative as well. Mm. So it's in the DNA to a certain extent. <laughs> when did you know that you wanted to be a designer? I mean, I know the story is that you were thinking about it since you were a kid. I mean, was there is there a moment you can channel from your childhood where you started like sketching out a dress or something? I think I was five years old. Um, I was really, really young. And one day my mom found me and I had a needle and thread and I was sewing my tights together and my socks and she was like what are you doing how did you get a thread and needle why, why are you sewing this off together <laughs> by the way why were you <laughs> sewing your socks together <laughs> i don't remember but um yeah so no one taught you to do that you just were no you were a kid I and just, you started sewing i must have seen it somewhere and right. just grabbed the needle and <laughs> And and why why are you uh, why are you why are you so but I mean what 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 do you think is um, the cause of this ambition that you have I mean you seem from what I understand about you all that I've read and what I'm talking when I'm talking to you you're you seem like you're quite driven and very focused where does that ambition come from Where does the ambition come from It's a very good question Um. I guess I just love creating and making pieces and I love having a reaction from people and, you know, um, showing people my creativity, either to inspire people and, you know, make them happy or, you know, to drive them. And, you know, as a, as a designer, you should, not even as a designer, as a person, you should always, you know, believe in what you want to do. And, Back when I started my glue work, when I mentioned it to everyone, they were like, what? That will never work. Hmm. And everyone thought I was crazy. And I said, no, it will work. And I kind of just pushed everyone's opinions away. And even my parents, as much supportive as they are, when I mentioned glue, they were like, that will never work. <laughs> and I said, no, no, it will. And I love people, proving people wrong. And I was like, no, it will work. I'm still saying was, it doesn't work. <laughs> I'm still saying it doesn't work. <laughs> Even I after <laughs> no, but look, but but, um, but but you know what? I, I mean, uh, ma making people happy or or wanting to give back or following your dreams, all of that—that's one thing. I think a lot yeah. of people could claim to that, but not a lot of kids sit down and sketch out goals uh, for decades ahead. You know, I mean, this is a particularly um, interesting uh, level of ambition or or proactive action that you take, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I've always been driven as a kid and, you know, thinking back, like I had the most imaginative, um, create, create like, a, like a mind when I was little and I always used to, you know, imagine myself as a businesswoman and, you know, I used to have a crazy imagination and I guess growing up, I want to make them be real mm. and having the goals written it drives me every day and 
you know, I've got letters written to myself. So the letter when I opened when I was 18, the letter I'm going to open when I'm 30. And it's a great feeling to open them when you're that age and you've accomplished those goals. And, you know, my advice for people would be do what you want to do and continue doing that and don't take people's opinions to heart. Mm. Believe in yourself and go for it. What are the increments? 18 and then 30. When's the next goal? When's the next? Uh, what is it? 50? 50. So, so there's a 20 year. <laughs> <laughs> what happens at 40? Do you not have any? <laughs> what about 35? <laughs> you just cruise after 30 and then get really, you know, work hard at 48 for the last couple of years. Before the <laughs> Uh, it's so interesting that you have these and you don't so you got a letter you're what you're like 26 now 27 27 so you have a letter to yourself that you wrote when that you're going to open when you're 30 when did you write that letter um when i was 10 when you were 10 and it's so, so <laughs> remarkable like people don't you know that that's so good for you and you don't remember what's in the letter or you kind of do and then, no, uh, I do. You I do. remind myself every day. But when you open the letter on your third, I can't believe. So did you write a letter to your to your 50-year-old self when you were 10 too? No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> oh you haven't done the 50 yet? <laughs> no, no. Okay. No, I've right. done that when I was 18. <sighs> um, you, you, were, you were such a creative, I mean, clearly the... The, the glue shoes, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the pipes. Uh, you're, you're clearly such a creative designer. It's interesting to me that you spent some time working at companies like Selfridges and Topshop, which are not, which are big chains, big companies that are not necessarily known for wild creativity. What did you learn from working at companies like that? Um, I guess. Like with me, like I've always worked on projects or different companies with alongside of my brand. And um, I love meeting people and I love talking with people and I love collaborating. And within working in Selfridges, Topshop and, you know, in TV and theatre, there's so many creative people that you meet and it's just great having that conversation with them and, you know, exchanging ideas and just meeting people and, you know, stepping away from what I do daily just to work on this project for a couple of weeks. It's it's a good way of um, moving forward and just love meeting people. Mm. But I've, I've learned and I've met amazing people in the industries that I've worked in. Mm. I love that you're a costume designer at Shakespeare's Globe. I think that's very cool. Does that does that work intersect with your own design company at all, or is it totally different? Um, it's totally different. So um, I'm working as a deputy wardrobe um, manager at the Globe, and I'm working alongside of the costume designer and the costume supervisor. And it's uh, it's completely different to what I do as a brand, and and I love that. I love working and. Uh, meeting different creatives and you know again it's the whole story in the process so it starts off on a paper the design and then how it's put into the 3d the live the just you know the whole process is amazing and i really enjoy that 
you can't um, you can't suggest that Puck or uh, King Lear wear some glue shoes or something that you can't <laughs> infuse your <laughs> infuse my glue. <laughs> bring it, bring 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 the glue to the Shakespearean stage. Um, <laughs> There, there, there seems it's very it's such a it must be such an interesting job though. Like what a what a what a great opportunity at Shakespeare's yeah, Globe great. in London. I mean, wow. Um, there, there seems Elisa. There seems to be a trend towards uh, infusing fashion with accents or elements that are indigenous to the designer. So we're seeing a lot of designers of Persian ancestry. In fact, I've interviewed a few of them uh, in the diaspora that work in Persian motifs into their designs. You know, Is that something that you would ever be interested in doing? Like some of your Auzeri background uh, um, expressing itself in your designs? No, absolutely. Um, that would be amazing to put that into my work. Um, I've got a lot of ideas in, you know, the collections I want to produce in the upcoming years. Um, I've already got them written down. <laughs> um, I don't want to say too much, but yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, where do you, uh, before I let you go, where where do you want to take the Vasserie Design House? I mean, if you were to, without telling us what's in the envelope when you turn 30, uh, uh, if you were to, you know, kind of, give us your your vision for where you would really honestly where you'd like this this design house to go where would it be i would i would love to take it worldwide and um make it known worldwide i feel like you're gonna do that feels sort of inevitable um <laughs> thank you so much for this it's such a pleasure to get to talk to you congratulations on all the success and we'll thank look, you so much. Thank you for having me on the show. Of course. We look forward to more. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Alisa Vasseri, an Iranian-British fashion designer and wardrobe stylist and the founder of the London-based fashion house Vasseria. Alisa joined us from London, England today. There you go, Shaya. Yes. Uh, I... I, I still I, don't quite understand how the glue. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's amazing, <laughs> and I think it's so cool that she's doing costumes for, you know, the the yeah. Shakespeare oh, plays yeah. and stuff. But uh, the, I'm stuck on the glue thing. <laughs> you know, I said I said at the beginning of the show she's inventive. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, she's yes. an inventor. Yes, yes. She's a designer, and you know, getting all this acclaim. But really, she's an inventor. I yeah. love that. I love <laughs> yeah. that about her. All right, Shia, we'll see you on Thursday for the Contemporary History of Iran. This is full time for Rook for today. Thank you so much to everybody uh, for listening and following us. Remember, our website is the place to go for all of Rook materials, all of our programming, all of our guests, all of our information, rookmedia.com. If you haven't checked out the website, please do, rookmedia.com. It is there that you can press the support us button and become a patron of our program to support us, actually. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together. Savvy Roham, talented Anahita, Ponta the artist, the fabulous Kian Super, Patty Sauce, Smart Pega, Ray Merthad, Captain Reza, and Groovy Shia. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you've not done so already. Find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi and Mizun Mashi.